In the years between 1974 to 1991, the police faced a difficult cold case for three decades. Ten people, including children, were found brutally murdered and tortured. Imagine if intelligent serial killers lived amongst us. We always walk past strangers at the store, on the streets, anywhere outside. What do you think they do? Even the most psychotic serial killers would look normal to us. Hello, and welcome to Spoiled Milk. My name is Ashley, and I am one of the two hosts for Spoiled Milk. I've always been interested in true crime stories, and I've always found murder cases to be specifically fascinating, which is what this podcast is about. My name is Angel, and true crime stories are really interesting to me, and that is why we decided to do a true crime podcast. I hope you enjoy, and stay tuned in for the next few episodes. This is the story of BTK, Dennis Lynn Raider. Now, let me give you a little rundown on who BTK is. His name is Dennis Raider, and he was born on March 9th of 1945. For most of his childhood, his parents worked long hours to provide for the family. This led to Dennis not getting as much attention as he needed as he was growing up. And kids need a lot of attention while growing up. You see this a lot in serial killers. Parents or guardians don't give them the serial killers they needed when they were children the attention that they needed while growing up. And so they feel very neglected. Since at home, Dennis didn't feel the motherly or fatherly love, and so he was described to feel very ignored by his parents, especially his mother. He longed for the motherly love, but since she alongside worked long hours with his father, it was never received in the end, and he felt very upset and resented both of his parents for it, especially his mother. What red flag or flags do you see a lot in serial killers when they're young? Oftentimes, they torture and kill animals in, or they're extremely distant or neglected by their parents. Dennis fit both of these. He abused and killed animals for practice prior to killing people when he was younger, and he was very neglected by his parents. Dennis had acquired sadistic sexual fantasies about torturing helpless women when he was younger. This began when he exhibited zoo sadism and had acted out sexual fetishist voyeurism. Voyeurism is the sexual interest of watching others undress in an intimate way, and he was also into cross-dressing. He often stole his neighbor's underwear and was also very into ropes or other bindings that he put around his arms and neck. This story begins in Wichita, Kansas, a more rural area and not as well known. In this town, you don't really need to lock your doors. This is one of those neighborhoods. Sometimes you don't lock your doors and you keep your garage door open because there was nothing like any crimes to be concerned about. In 1974, there was a Terrell family. Three kids and two parents. Those three kids all varied in different ages and so they woke up at different times in the morning. This was because schools for elementary school and high school started at different hours in the morning. 
they also just settled in in this area and they didn't know a lot of people. During the morning that day, VTK passes his family as he's driving his wife to work. While driving, he sets his eyes on the Taro family's mother. After dropping off his wife, he goes back to the Taro family's property. And in the middle of the day, he goes to their phone line and cuts it. After cutting the phone line, BTK breaks through the door, only expecting the Taro family's mother and their daughter. However, to his surprise, their dad and their 11-year-old son were also home. He killed all four of them. This was his very first crime. In the crime scene, BTK left both parents in their bedroom, bound by the hands and ankles, shot to death. What the police found out was crazy. Though, they didn't even find the bodies. The Taro family's oldest son came home early from school that day and found his deceased parents shot to death. He immediately calls 911 and the police respond. They take him out of the crime scene and he's in complete shock. He talks about his younger siblings, saying things such as, My younger siblings are about to come home. Do you know if they're still at school? He's just trying to find reassurance. He wanted to be the one to tell them. After investigating inside, police come out and let him know what they found. They said, we found them. Your siblings did not go to school and they've been murdered. They were in the basement and the police said that they knew that they were going to be dealing with somebody who's incredibly disturbing. And this was because everybody was bound by their hands and their ankles. And the youngest, Josephine, was suspended from the ceiling and the son was suffocating with a bag over his face. They said that they also found some chair imprints, so it seemed like somebody was sitting there and watching the slow process of the Terrell family dying. The police were like, the police said that this was such a sinister way, and so they thought that this was somebody who was just angry at the family, a crime of passion. The police said that what they found was really sinister and they thought that the person who killed this family was just really angry and that this was a crime of passion. Since it seemed like he, the murderer, would know this family, since no one would go around and target a random family, spending their time watching everything go down. Nobody thought this crime would happen again, since, again, it seemed like a crime of passion. There was a journalist who published an article claiming we know, or at least we think we know, who was the person who murdered the Otero family. They said that it was probably someone in jail already, because there was rumors going around throughout the jail saying that their cellmate was a killer and just landed in jail for something else. When the journalist released that article, BTK was absolutely not happy with it. He calls the police and, you know, the typical, I know who did the Otero case, just go to the library, go to this aisle, open up this book, go to this page, you will find a letter from me. Of course, after hearing this, the police go to the library, find the book, and find the letter. They immediately think this is the killer. He wrote the police a letter, and it's something along the lines of, I'm the person who did it. Not the person in jail that's being accused of my murder. He wanted the credit and didn't want the person in jail to get an ounce of the credit for the work he did. And so he listed out in such graphic detail how he left the crime scene. The police were on one. 
The police were 100% sure that the person who wrote the letter was a murderer, and they were right because of all because all of the information was not released to the public. His infamous name comes from the letter as well. He said, please call me bind, torture, kill. The way he ended the letter was with happy hunting. Then, out of nowhere, his next victim was struck. Three months later in April, Catherine Bright. She was a college student, walking home from class with her brother, Kevin. One day, Catherine arrived home around 2 p.m., and BTK was already inside of her house. BTK did not expect her brother to be beside her, and he came at the two of them with a gun and held them at gunpoint. He forced them into a room, and Catherine was bound by a cord that BTK forced Kevin to tie her up with. After that, BTK forced Kevin into another room, and Kevin took a fight with BTK, ready to shot Kevin in the head twice. He was sure he'd caught him, so he went back into the other room, and undressed, strangled, and stabbed Catherine at least several times, since she tried to put up a fight with him. While this was going on, Kevin was able to run away and escape and call the police. He was able to survive, but his sister died at age 21. This was the works of BTK, but the police did not know that yet. Kevin doesn't remember who the man was. He gave such a vague description. Tall white guy. What do you think is the MO? There was none. First of all, you have a family who got murdered and then a college student. Absolutely no correlation. After the letter, for the next two years, what do you think happened? Nothing. BTK went radio silent. The police wondered all kinds of things. From, did he move to another state? Did he die? Is he in our jail system? Or did he really change? But what the police didn't know was that behind the scenes of this BTK, Dennis was a family man himself and had two children of his own. In between the three years he was gone, his son and daughter were born. Later, the police questioned BTK about this, asking him, why were you gone for those three years? And to them, he responded casually, saying that nothing happened and he was just busy raising his children. At this current point, there are five people who are victims of BTK. point the police were on edge and then after the three year silence they had come to the third case Shirley Vian a mother of three kids was murdered she was 24 years old one day after work Shirley asked her five-year-old son hey could you could you go to the store and buy a can of soup for me the kid said the kid does so on the way home the five-year-old boy gets stopped by a man the man holds up a picture with a person in it and asks the boy do you know who the person is in this picture the boy says no and goes on about his way home after the boy gets home, around 15 minutes later, there goes a knock at the door. The same five-year-old boy opens up the door since it's the man he saw earlier on the way home. The man immediately pushes his way through the door, barges inside the house where the siblings and Shirley was, pulls out a gun, and at gunpoint tells the children, get in the bathroom. Inside the bathroom, he puts blankets in there, and outside the door, he pushes a bed because the bathroom was connected to the main bedroom. He binds the mom and murders her, while all the children were crying and screaming for their mother. The little five-year-old boy testified in trial, and he was saying how he looked under the little crack of the door and he saw everything that happened at five years old. The boy's description was just the same as Kevin's. Vague, tall, white guy. An average-looking, tall, white guy. 
Then, seven months later, police received a call from BTK himself, and he reports a homicide. He says, yes, you will find a homicide at 843 South Pershing, Nancy Fox. That is correct. And then left the receiver daily. BTK has a very particular way of saying homicide, saying homicide. Police rush over immediately to find Nancy's body. She was the seventh victim, and once again, radio goes radio silent. Though it seemed like there were no consistencies within these victims, there was indeed one. All these victims were always bound, tortured, and then murdered. He wrote the most egotistical letters to the national news station saying, How many more people can I kill before I can get my name on the national news cycle? This was because BTK was only on the local news station. He was making it seem like Ted Bundy got all the attention. Why can't I? Like... How many more do I have to kill before I can be on the national news? He also sent some hand-drawn pictures of these victims to the station. The police said that it seemed like he sat there and watched the slow process of each of these victims dying while he was drawing them. The news station alerted the police of this, and that's when they realized that this was the real serial killer. Because... Once things get out into the media, the police can't do anything about it. After the years passed, in the spring of 1985, Raider murdered his eighth victim and his neighbor, Maureen Hedge. In September 1986, Raider murdered Vicky Wigley, and finally his tenth and final victim, Dolores Davis, on January 18th of 1991. Of course, all bound by their wrists and ankles, Dolores was 62 and living alone. BTK entered her home after throwing a cinder block through a sliding glass door. After the murder, he dumped her body by a bridge and a little boy walking his dog had found the body. BTK got caught in the most unexpected way. Normally, serial killers get caught from DNA or fingerprints or one of their victims escaped. BTK's ego. His ego was the reason and what was what got him caught. He's been on a spree for more than three decades. His case was cold for the majority of the 30 years. A little over a decade later, after the killing of Dolores Davis, police were finally able to link the DNA found at the Otero crime scene with that of Dennis Rader. On February 25th, 2005, police arrested Rader, who had been on his way home to have lunch with his wife. While in police custody, he confessed to all of his crimes. Raider pleaded guilty on June 27, 2005, to 10 counts of murder in the first degree. During his trial, he was asked to go through each victim and describe what he had done to them. Calmly, he recounted each of his 10 victims for the next hour. Raider was widely regarded in his community as normal, polite, and well-mannered. What's also crazy is that Raider was a member of the Christ Lutheran Church and had been elected president of the church council. And this wraps up the first episode of Spoiled Milk. Thank you guys for tuning in, and what do you think of BTK and his case? Make sure you're always wary of those around you, especially those who may be the most trusted in the community.